Today is October 6th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Welcome in and welcome back. I'm so grateful for your presence. So thankful you decided to show up and feast with me today because we have a rich selection of passages. It is so good and I can't wait to get into it with you. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 through chapter 8 verse 7. New American Standard Bible. This is what the Lord says, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find a resting place for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. And I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. Therefore, hear you nations, and know, you congregation, what is among them. Hear, earth, behold, I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their plans, because they have not listened to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it also. For what purpose does frankincense come to me from Sheba, and the sweet came from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, and your sacrifices are not pleasing to me. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, Behold, I am placing stumbling blocks before this people, and they will stumble against them. Fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend, will perish. The enemy from the north. This is what the Lord says, Behold, there is a people coming from the north land, and a great nation will be stirred up from the remote parts of the earth. They seize bow and spear, they are cruel and have no mercy. Their voice roars like the sea, and they ride on horses, lined up as a man for the battle. Against you, daughter of Zion, we have heard the report of it. Our hands are limp, anguish has seized us, pain like that of a woman in childbirth. Do not go out into the field, and do not walk on the road, for the enemy has a sword, terror is on every side. Daughter of my people, put on sackcloth and roll in ashes, mourn as for an only son, a most bitter mourning, for suddenly the destroyer will come against us. I have made you an assayer and an examiner among my people, so that you may know and put their way to the test. All of them are stubbornly rebellious, going about as a slanderer. They are bronze and iron. They are, all of them, corrupt. The bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. In vain the refining goes on. But the wicked are not separated. They call them rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. Message at the Temple Gate the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all of you Judah, who enter by these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a person and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor follow other gods to your own ruin, then I will let you live in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. 
Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, offer sacrifices to Baal, and follow other gods that you have not known? Then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are saved, so that you may do all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at the beginning, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and I spoke to you, speaking again and again, but you did not listen, and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to the place which I gave you and your fathers, just as I did to Shiloh. I will hurl you out of my sight, just as I have hurled out all your brothers, all the descendants of Ephraim. As for you, do not pray for this people, and do not lift up a cry or prayer for them, and do not plead with me, for I am not listening to you. Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead dough to make sacrificial cakes for the Queen of Heaven, and they pour out drink offerings to other gods in order to provoke me to anger. Are they provoking me? declares the Lord. Is it not themselves instead to their own shame? Therefore, this is what the Lord God says, Behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, on human and animal life, and on the trees of the field and the fruits of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says, Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them on the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them saying, Obey my voice and I will be your God and you will be my people and you shall walk entirely in the way which I command you so that it may go well for you. Yet, they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked by their own advice and in the stubbornness of their evil hearts, and they went backward and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have sent you all my servants, the prophets, sending them daily again and again. Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did more evil than their fathers." So you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. And you shall call to them, but they will not answer you. And you shall say to them, This is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God or accept discipline. Trustworthiness has perished and has been eliminated from their mouth. Cut off your hair and throw it away, and take up a song of mourning on the bare heights. For the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. For the sons of Judah have done that which is evil in my sight, declares the Lord. They have put their detestable things in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. They have built the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of Ben-Hanam, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, and it did not come into my mind. Therefore, behold, 
days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be called Topheth or the valley of Ben-Hinnom, but the valley of the slaughter, for they will bury in Topheth because there is no other place. The dead bodies of this people will be food for the birds of the sky and for the animals of the earth, and no one will frighten them away. Then I will eliminate from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the groom and the voice of the bride, for the land will become a site of ruins, the sin and treachery of Judah. At that time, declares the Lord, they will bring out the bones of the kings of Judah, the bones of its leaders, the bones of the priests, the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem from their graves. They will spread them out to the sun, the moon, and to all the heavenly lights, which they have loved, which they have served, which they have followed, which they have sought, and which they have worshipped. They will not be gathered nor buried. They will be like dung on the face of the ground, and death will be chosen rather than life by all the remnant that remains of this evil family that remains in all the places to which I have driven them, declares the Lord of armies. You shall say to them, this is what the Lord says. Do people fall and not get up? Does one turn away and not repent? Why has this people, Jerusalem, turned away in continual apostasy? They hold on to deceit. They refuse to return. I have listened and heard. They have spoken what is not right. No one repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his own course like a horse charging into the battle. Even the stork in the sky knows her seasons. And the turtle dove, the swallow, and the crane keep to the time of their migration. But my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. Colossians 2 verses 8 through 23. See to it that there is no one who takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition, in accordance with the elementary principles of the world, rather than in accordance with Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over every ruler and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision performed without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your wrongdoings and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our wrongdoings, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food and drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. 
things which are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Take care that no one keeps defrauding you of your prize by delighting in humility and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding firmly to the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of man? These are matters which do have the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and humility and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Psalm 78 verses 1 through 31. God's guidance of his people in spite of their unfaithfulness. A masculine of Asaph. Listen, my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will tell riddles of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but we will tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his power and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they were to teach them to their children, so that the generation to come would know, the children yet to be born, that they would arise and tell them to their children, so that they would put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but comply with his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows, yet they turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. They forgot his deeds and his miracles that he had shown them. He performed wonders before their fathers in the land of Egypt. In the field of Zone, he divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the water stand up like a heap. Then he led them with the cloud by day and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them plenty to drink like the ocean depths. He brought forth streams from the rock and made waters run down like rivers. Yet they still continued to sin against him, to rebel against the Most High in the desert. And in their hearts, they put God to the test by asking for food that suited their taste. Then they spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that waters gushed out and streams were overflowing. Can he also provide bread? Will he prepare meat for his people? Therefore the Lord heard and was full of wrath, and a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also mounted against Israel, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Yet he commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them food from heaven. Man ate the bread 
bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. He made the east wind blow in the sky, and by his power, he directed the south wind. When he rained meat upon them like the dust, even winged fowl like the sand of the seas, he let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. So they ate and were well filled, and he satisfied their longing. Yet, before they had abandoned their longing, while their food was in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them and killed some of their strongest ones and subdued the choice men of Israel. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 26. One who gives a right answer kisses the lips. All right, so what we have here in the Old Testament is a very interesting passage from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, as we know, was a prophet, and he saw a lot, and he went through a lot. He witnessed the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonian Empire and the exile of many of his people to a foreign land. He also witnessed the corruption and apostasy of his own people who had turned away from God to worship false idols, and he wasn't happy about it. He wasn't popular either. He didn't have a lot of friends or followers, and this made his life hard because he had to speak the truth to people who didn't want to hear it. He had to tell them about themselves and warn them of the wrath of God that would be unleashed on them unless they repented and returned to him. Jeremiah had a heart for God, though, and he loved his people. He didn't want to see them destroyed or enslaved. So despite how he felt, he told them the truth anyway. He wanted to see them restored and redeemed and living in peace and harmony with God and with each other. So that's what we're going to look deeper at today. It is a passage that shows us the heart of Jeremiah, the heart of God, and the heart of God for his people. It's a passage that is going to reveal the depth of their sin and the height of their potential. It's going to show us what it means to choose life and what it means to choose death. So let's talk about it. So what is this passage trying to tell us? What is its relevance for us today? So the first point that I want to talk about is that God does not want to destroy us for no reason. He's a loving father who wants to live in harmony with us. And he wants us to live in harmony with his creation. That is our fellow believers, our fellow sisters and brothers in Christ. He's given us his word to be a guide for us, to protect us from harm and to help us flourish and become the best versions of ourselves, which of course is the version of us that looks most like him. But sometimes, let's be honest, we ignore this word. We ignore God's voice. We ignore the signs and warnings and wonders. And we choose to go our own way and serve our own gods, which aren't really gods at all, but idols. We choose to worship the creation rather than the creator and have exchanged the truth for a lie. And there, there are consequences when we do this. And the consequences aren't just for us alone. It affects our families, our environment, our future. And God is not mocked. He is not going to let us get away with our sins. We have to face 
his brand of justice. He is not going to let us abuse his grace. We can't trample on his holiness and think that we're just going to get away with it. He will act. He will intervene. He will punish. He will discipline. He will correct. And he'll do this in various ways. And I know that might sound a little scary, but let's keep talking about it because there are those who believe that God will use like natural disasters, famines, plagues, earthquakes, floods, fires, etc. Or even people. He'll use people as enemies, such as oppressors and persecutors and, you know, mercenaries like what we see in the Old Testament. Or he'll use internal problems like corruption and division and and violence like this is how God shows up when he's delivering his justice or his wrath or punishing us for our sins this is what some people believe personally I am not so sure about that I'm not saying that he doesn't but I'm not sure about that while there is precedent for this expression of God's wrath I tend to lean in the other direction I don't think God punishes us for our sin in the sense of inflicting eternal condemnation or wrath on us because Jesus took that punishment on our behalf when he died on the cross and rose again. The Bible says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Therefore, if we believe in Jesus and accept his sacrifice for us, we are forgiven and reconciled to God and we have eternal life with him. However, God does discipline us for our sin in the sense of correcting and refining us because he loves us and he wants us to grow in holiness and character and in obedience. The Bible also says the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. That's Hebrews 12, 6. That means that God may allow us to experience the natural, not may, he will allow us to experience the natural or social consequences of our sin. And he might even use various trials and hardships to teach and train us. The Bible says too that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Hebrews 12, 11. In other words, get the lesson and you'll be all the better for it. So my belief is my heavenly father, the God of my story and of my journey, the lover of my soul, does not punish me to destroy or harm me. He is not disciplining me when I see him because he wants to see me hurting. Quite the opposite. He does this because he is a loving, involved father. He cares about every detail and aspect of my life. He cares for me and he wants to see me at my best. So if he sees me getting out of pocket going the wrong way, oh, he's going to make sure I know it. The Bible says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whatever he chooses, oh, that was John 3.17, by the way. Whatever he chooses or uses as a form of discipline, it is to accomplish his purposes. He'll use it to awaken us and call us back to him, but he'll always be merciful and gracious. He is willing to forgive us if we repent and turn back to him. 
The second point that we see here in this passage in Jeremiah, that we are a stubborn and foolish people who often go astray. We lose our sense of direction and become confused by our own illusions. We have hardened hearts sometimes and we become deaf to God's voice. And this is evident in many ways. It's evident in our personal lives, our relationships, our families, in our nation. It is evident in our moral decay, the fabric of our society. It's social injustice is a way that we see that we have become deaf to God's voice. Our economic inequality, our political instability, our ideological divisiveness, our lack of wisdom, our lack of knowledge, our lack of understanding. I could go on and on. Our lack of discernment, our lack of truth. And this is tragic. It's tragic because it means we're not living up to our potential. We're not living up to our calling as God's image bearers. We're not living up to our destiny as God's children. And it also means that we're actually living below who we were created to be. We're living in contradiction with ourselves. When we persist in our sins, we resist God's grace. We reject his love. And this this is just, it's irrational, really. It's irrational because we're actually acting against our own best interests. Why would we choose death over life? Why would we choose curse over blessing? Why would we choose hell over heaven? Who would do that? Why? Why and how? And I'm talking about humanity in general, or when we settle for Satan's schemes rather than God's best, which of course requires us to sacrifice those desires that we sometimes rather indulge in. So the third point that I want to make here is that there is a way out of this mess. And that way, that truth, that life is Jesus Christ. Jesus came into this world to show us who God is and who we are and who we can be. He came to reveal God's character and will. He came to demonstrate God's love and power. Jesus lived a perfect life that we could not live. He obeyed God's law and fulfilled the covenant. He died the death that we deserve to die. He took upon himself, thank you, Jesus, the penalty for our sins and the wrath of God. We would have been just like them children of Israel and Judah and Jerusalem. We would have been just like that, falling and and floundering and failing because we refused to honor God and honor the laws and the will and his way. Like we would have been just like that and death and blind and we wouldn't have had ears to hear we wouldn't have had eyes to see had it not been for jesus he suffered and died he shed his blood for us and then he rose from the dead to give us a new life that we could not have without him he conquered death and defeated the devil he secured for us forgiveness and righteousness and then he ascended into heaven to prepare a place for us that we could not imagine. He intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father, sends his spirit to dwell in us and empower us. And here is the best part. And all of that is amazing. 
But the best part is he's going to come again to complete his work that he began in us. He is going to renew all things with beauty and glory. Jesus is the answer to all of our problems. He is the solution to all of our dilemmas. He is the hope for all of our despair. He is the one who can heal us from our wounds and free us from our bondage, whatever that looks like. He is the one who can transform us from our old self and renew us into his image. He is the one who can get us right with God and help us love each other better. He's the one who gives us rest for our souls and peace for our minds. Thank you, Jesus. He is the one who gives us joy for our hearts and he gives us a purpose and a plan for our lives. And he is the one who gives us grace for today and glory for tomorrow. He's the one who can make us whole again. Isn't he wonderful? Those are the points that I wanted to share with you today. That's what I see. You tell me what you see. God is a loving and righteous father who wants relationship with us. We can be a stubborn and foolish people who don't know how to live in relationship with God. But there is a way. There's a way that we can grow closer to God. And that way is through Jesus Christ. And so today, as you move into this weekend, or if you're listening to this at a different time, whatever time it is, I challenge you to be honest with yourself and with God about whatever it is that you're dealing with. We're all dealing with different things on different levels. God knows, Jesus understands, and the Spirit comforts. I challenge you to seek the good, whatever it may cost you, and seek God in everything. He is the source and the goal of all truth, all goodness, all beauty, because I believe if you do that, If you sincerely and diligently seek God, you will find him. You will find him in his word, which is this Bible, this thing we're doing right here. You're going to find him in this world. You look all around you. Look all around you. God is in everything, his creation. You'll find him, of course, in his son, Jesus Christ. And when you find him, my instinct And my insight says that you're going to discover that he's not what you expect or what you may have feared. The God you find may not be the judgy, distant, stern God that you may have understood him to be based on the teaching you received earlier in life. He's not that God. He doesn't want to harm you. He doesn't want to see you hurt. When you're treated unfairly, when you experience betrayal or any kind of suffering that's due to something or someone with evil intent, God is just as, he's angrier than you. He's hurting with you. He is a gracious, doting, caring, involved father who loves you. He is a friend who cares for you, the best one you're going to ever have. He's the one who can give you what you need and what you desire. He will satisfy your soul and fill your heart. He's the one who can change your life and transform you in a way that you never thought possible. He's the one who can make you whole again if that's what you need. And so this is my invitation to you today. Come to Jesus as you are with all your doubts, fears, faults, flaws, failures, 
with all your hopes, dreams, and aspirations. Come get this grace and mercy. Come get this forgiveness and healing. Come get this love and acceptance. Become correct (laughs) because you need to come ready to follow him, to give him your heart, to listen, to lean into and learn from him so that you can live for him. And you can share in his life and in this joy. You can share in his peace and hope, his power and his glory. There is no one like him in all the earth. He is the everlasting father. He is the alpha and omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the creator of all things and nothing exists without him. And you have a direct connection to him. When you do find him, you're going to find that he's been waiting for you all along. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your living and active word that cuts to the heart of the matter. Lord, through these passages today, we are just thinking about the ways in which you confront us in our sin, the way you challenge us in our complacency, and the way you call us to return to you when we stray. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've hardened our hearts to your voice. Have mercy on us for the moments that we've rejected your wisdom and guidance. Transform our stubbornness into pliability. Make us flexible. Renew our minds to discern your will. Lord, we confess that the ways of this world have sometimes allured us. The idols of success or wealth or status have seduced us. Selfish pursuits sometimes consume us when we're just trying to go for the goal. Lord, forgive us for pursuing passion over purpose and prestige over principle and pleasure over purity. God, we acknowledge our deep need for you. We were made for more, created for your glory. Apart from you, we are lost. We are nothing. But in you, we have everything we need. In Jesus, we have redemption. Through his blood, we've been forgiven. Thank you for the gift of your son. Now, Holy Spirit, take this ancient word and make it new in us again. Open our ears to hear your voice. Sensitize our hearts to feel your leading. Empower us to live fully and faithfully for you. Conform us more and more into your image until your life and your light is reflected through us. Lord, we pray all of these things in the mighty and merciful name of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And all the people of God said together, amen. And our affirmation for today I give thanks to the old me for evolving into a better version of me. I give thanks to the old me for evolving into a better version of me. And our aphorism, when you read God's word, you must constantly be saying to yourself, it is talking to me and about me. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this amazing adventure with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.